Welcome back to another episode of Podcasts. I am Sophia Moore, your host, and today we're talking about places to live on grounds. Now, there are so many places to live at UVA, both on and off grounds. Each option has their own pros and cons, and everybody has their preferences. But this episode, we'll be looking at one housing option in particular that is known on grounds as the place for the interested and the interesting. Brown Residential College is one of about four residential colleges at UVA. All residential colleges at UVA have unique personalities and require applications to live at one. But what sets Brown apart from the other residential colleges? Well, today I will be talking to the Grand Poobah of Brown to find out. Without further ado, this is Mason Marche. Hi, uh, my name is Mason Marche. I'm a fourth year in the college studying computer science and linguistics, and I currently serve as the Grand Poobah for Brown College. Awesome. Uh, Do you want me to get into what that means? Like, yeah, actually. Cool. So Brown College is really interesting. We're one of the residential colleges here at UVA. And our big thing is that we have this student self-governance aspect. So we have a full board that manages our own budget. And my job within that is essentially to handle all of our external communications, right? So anytime that we have to reach out to the rest of Brown or our faculty peers on the Hill or any part of UVA administration, I'm the one sending all of those emails. I also handle a lot of our larger scale long-term projects. So it's just a lot of logistics and a lot of emails, but I really love it. And you're kind of considered the leader, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess in an alternative organization, my role is kind of analogous to the president. We try not to take ourselves too seriously. You you know, at the end of the day, like we're just here trying to build a community and have a good time. And so when we were founded, I think our governance board was founded in the late 80s. We went and we picked titles for our positions that were so kind of ridiculous that you knew that you weren't getting into it for the wrong reasons or as kind of a thing to build the resume. And you're really here trying to serve the community that you love. That's awesome. I didn't yeah. actually know I, that. No, it's great. I really like it. I thought it was kind of like geeky when I first got here, right. but I think it fits us really well. Yeah. Do you know where Grand Poobah came from? So there's conflicting stories. I think technically it first appeared in this like ancient opera, like this comedic opera. I'm not super familiar with them. The story that I've always heard is that it's from the Flintstones. There's like this secret organization in the Flintstones cartoon from the 60s. And the leader of that is called the Grand Poobah. I always think of Winnie the Pooh when I hear it. It's always okay. Winnie the Pooh. I haven't made that connection, but no, it works. It fits. Really? Yeah. That was like my first thing. I was like, it's like Winnie the <laughs> Ooh, I love it. <laughs> I love that. And actually related to just to GovBoard, what are the other members of GovBoard? The best way to describe us is that we're split into a bunch of different co-chairships or I guess administrative segments. So we have social co-chairs who are responsible for doing our semi-formals and organizing kind of our more fun events. We have community outreach co-chairs that do a lot of our volunteering and our philanthropy. We have people dedicated to sustainability inside the building and out on grounds. And then we have our officer corps. So that's going to be me, our our vice president, you could say, or our Shamalama Ding Dong is what he's known as internally, a treasurer and a secretary. So we're, we're kind of just organized like a lot of other organizations across grounds. So just tell us a bit about your story before coming to UVA. So I grew up in Haymarket, Virginia. So it's like about 100 miles up 29. If you're familiar with the whole like what is Northern Virginia, what is a Northern Virginia debate, I think it's really interesting because I'd say that we're the furthest suburb out where everybody's parents are still commuting into the city for work every day and you can hop in for dinner to like view a museum or something but it's also suburban enough that there's a huge focus on like outdoor life and it's a little bit quieter so I grew up like playing in the streets of my neighborhood and 
experience. I, I played a lot of golf. We did a lot of hiking because you have all of that outdoor space. So it was really nice. I, I think it was a great place to kind of grow up. And that's where I spent most of my time. What's your family like? There's four of us. It's my parents and a younger sister. She's at VCU right now. It was always pretty chill. We were kind of quiet. We like hung out a lot together. My parents are from the Northeast. So I spent most of my summers just south of Boston in a little town called Situate on the South Shore, which was beautiful. But otherwise, it was pretty tame, to be honest. Awesome. Any interests, hobbies? Yeah, so I'm a computer science major. I've kind of been doing that my whole life. I started really young, I would say, with this kind of Lego robotics program that was really interesting. And looking back, it's a little bit ridiculous, but essentially you're like building these tiny Lego robots at the age of 10 to like follow lines and complete little tasks. And I kind of fell in love with that and have been doing something similar ever since. Uh, just out of curiosity, what high yeah. school did you go to? I went to Battlefield. Oh. Yeah, so right on the western edge of Princeton County, right on the border of Loudoun. Noted. Do, okay, do you know what that is? Yeah, I grew where up did, in Gainesville. Wait, where in Gainesville? In uh, Not to like out you on this podcast, no. we'll cut this out, but... <laughs> no, it's totally fine. Yeah, in Gainesville... I went to Stonewall Jackson. It's oh, now no called way. Unity Reed. So when I was very young, so so I was born in Texas because uh-huh. that's where my dad was working at the time. And when I was like 18 months old, we got shipped back up to Northern Virginia where my parents had met. And so we lived in Crystal City for a minute, but then we lived in Braemar. Oh, yeah. yeah. Before I started school, I was in Braemar. And then we moved over to the other side, down Lydon Hall all the mm-hmm. way. Yep. Yeah. Small world, but yeah, yeah I totally resonate That's with the whole. That's wild. Like, I didn't know that. Yeah, I totally resonate with the whole. We're Nova, but, but we're, we're like, also like because it feels like Nova. Because if yeah. you drive twenty minutes south, you're in Warrenton, and you're like, this is not what yeah. I'm used to. But I guess it's not really like Vienna or McLean. No, 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 no. Yeah. It's it's definitely a cusp baby, is exactly. what I like to say. I I really liked it. I thought it was great. Yeah, I think it's a nice, easy medium mm-hmm. for not being in the traffic of the city, but yes. you're also not in. I can I can drive. 10 miles and it doesn't take me an hour and 10 minutes. Exactly. And you also have the beautiful hiking. Exactly. All right. So what made you choose to live in Brown and later even apply to become the Grand Poobah? Okay. So this one's really interesting because I, I, I guess from this position, like looking outwards, here I am sitting, I'm on the governance board in a prominent position. But if we take a look back like four years, when I applied to UVA, I had no clue what Brown College was, mm-hmm. right? Like I worked as a sum- at a summer camp for five years in high school and I met this guy and we became really good friends and we lived together at camp. And then we both got into UVA and we were like, hey, we know living together works for us. Do you want to just do that at UVA? And so we decided that we had wanted to live together before anything for housing had even happened or opened yet. And I had only ever been on grounds once for Days in the Lawn. That's the only time in my entire life I'd ever been here. But I get this text at like 11 p.m., three days before the Brown College application to do. And he's like, hey, I think I really want to live in Brown College. And I'm like, I have no clue what that is, but okay, why not? And so I sat down and applied. I went in like pretty much blind and I'm really glad that I did because I mean we still live together four years later and it's been probably one of the best decisions I've ever made regarding my time at UVA. Regarding Grand Poobah I think that one's also interesting. I mean I didn't come into Brown College with the expectation that I would serve on the governance board at all and then it just kind of the way things worked out. I ended up serving as one of our faculty and community fellow like liaisons for the first two years and then I migrated into a treasurer role for my third year And then elections kind of came up last year and I was kind of talking about it and I thought about running a little bit and I kind of decided that I really like giving back to the communities that I'm a part of and communities that have done so much for me in ways that really benefit my experience and my abilities. And I had kind of garnered a lot of experience doing kind of the exact logistical work that I'm doing, right? Like 
coordinating with university offices, putting together programming, making sure that other people are doing things that are beneficial to the environment that we're working in. And so everything just kind of aligned. And I decided that I really wanted to give it my best go at giving back to the community in that way. And I think it was like really great. I mean, I guess it's an election process. So I think it really resonated with people. And then I think the other aspect to it is that I'm part of the cohort. And there's really only about 10 of us now who lived in Brown College for our first years before the pandemic. So there's not that many of us who had like a regular non-COVID influenced experience at Brown College. And I think that one of the ways that I enjoy being able to give back is that I have this knowledge and this experience of our traditions and our history and the things that have worked for us really well in the past that I think people want to hold on to. And so it's been great to be able to help with our transition kind of back into normalcy over the last few years. From your experience, what has it been like living in Brown? I really loved it. I mean, I, I know I mentioned earlier that I had zero experience with Brown and I didn't really know what to expect, but I, I think I found a really wonderful community. I know Brown College is interesting. We're not quite the same as the other residential colleges in terms of what brings us all together and why we exist. But I think my biggest takeaway from Brown is that it's a bunch of people who are truly lovely and are dedicated to building a community with each other. There's always people who want to sit down and talk or want to do something together. And so you develop these bonds with each other. And even if they're not best friend bonds, you develop this really intense appreciation for the people that you've kind of navigated underground with. What makes Brown unique compared to other residential colleges? Yeah, and I know I just kind of like alluded to this a little bit, but yeah. I think what's really different between us all is that when I think about the residential colleges and the way that they're pitched, it's that a lot of the other places seem to have like a tagline. And of course, I've never lived in them, so I can't super speak to what the experience is like once you get in there. But I've always kind of thought of it as, you know, Hereford is advertised as a place for people who are eco-conscious and focused on sustainability. And the IRC exists for people who are looking for the perspectives of international students and the language houses all exist, speak a common language and experience a common culture. And Brown College kind of doesn't have that. Like, I think there have been a couple times in our history where we've tried to really develop that and it's never really worked. And so the way that I really think of it is that as the oldest residential college, we were founded as this experiment to see how student self-governance could work in a housing context, right? So we were empowered to have our own budget and handle all of our own programming and handle our elections for the board. And even in terms of the application process for Brown, all of that is handled internally. And so you have people who are not only interested in living on grounds and being a part of a community, they're interested in kind of building and tailoring a community that will outlast even them. And what is your favorite part of Brown? I have really come to enjoy the consistent spontaneity of Brown College. I think I love the fact that I can be studying all night because I have an exam two days from now and I'll check my email and someone will be like, who wants to go to cookout in 10 minutes, right? And it's 3 a.m. and you load in someone's car and drive out to cookout. There's always something going on because no one is afraid that like, oh, if I like put on this event, will anybody come? Will people even show up? Because there's always someone who's interested in what you're doing. And I think that really speaks to the community that we've kind of developed. And I really enjoy it. Do you have any like fun stories or? Um, I have a like a, a bunch of anecdotes. Okay. I know first year I had a really good time at Brown College. I won't lie. I had a really good time. We would do things like go out for tacos and the, like the hill. So kind of like our university staff department would pay for all of our food. And then it was a election night. So we kind of just walked like up and down the corner enjoying election night. And then COVID hit and that kind of all shut down. But what I think 
the benefit there was, or the thing that I was really surprised by, is our dedication not just to the building, but to each other, right? So my kind of social life and my connections didn't really die out the way that I would have expected. It's really funny that Gruenis Place is this really intense, like, crossword culture. Like, I remember sitting there, and we wouldn't have, like, spoken to a single person all week because we're all in Zoom classes just trying to get by. And then Thursday night, you get a text message, and you join this, like, 30-person Zoom call, and you're all trying to do, like, the New York Times crossword. You just sit there for, like, six hours chatting and having a good time. But these are all things that I think I've, I've really come to appreciate as both just a part of my overall experience, but also fundamental to the way that we weathered the pandemic. Yeah, I can imagine. And I joined Brown. Mm-hmm. my first year but it was covid year yeah so i was a part of brown but i wasn't on ground because yeah. i was like you know i'm gonna mm-hmm. stay home so it's very interesting to see how you guys continued to maintain this community you know even while everybody's all stuck yeah. inside and i think that was challenging i think for me personally the experience of having the last half of my second semester at uva be online if i learned anything there it was that being in my house with my parents and my sister who were all working from home was not going to be a conducive environment for me to learn and so i came back on grounds and i think it would have been a miserable time had it not been for Brown College's sense of community, right? Well, maybe I wasn't seeing them in person. We were texting, we were video calling. There were always things kind of happening that I think made it worth it and really helped me and my ability to come on grounds and do well. And you said Brown doesn't really have a tagline, but something that I've often heard is that Brown is for the interested and the interesting. What what does that mean to you? So this is contentious. I have never loved the phrase for the interested and interesting. Okay. And I don't know whether or not that's like my own personal opinion or if I've just never had it explained super well to me because it's just something that we've had just going for us at all times on all of our marketing. But it's never really resonated with me. And Mm -hmm. I think the idea is to encapsulate the fact that Brown is a community of individuals of differing ideas and backgrounds and perspectives. But it feels a little bit empty. Like if you put on a shirt and you say, for the interested and interesting, like what does that really mean? Mm -hmm. And so I get where it's coming from. And I get that it's really trying to explore our relationships to each other in terms of community, but I I don't, I've never loved it. Mm-hmm. Do you have maybe a mantra that you think would better fit it? Or I, This one's really tough. There's a couple of us who have decided that we don't really love the phrase. Mm-hmm. And so we'll sit down sometimes and throw out what we feel are equally PR-y <laughs> taglines. None of us have come up with one that we think really sticks. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think if I were to design a tagline, I'd want it to be very explicit about who we are and what we do and what our goals and our values are. Because ultimately, I think anybody could do well in Brown College. But I don't know that everybody would describe themselves as interesting, you know? Right. And I think that almost speaks to the Brown community, that Mm -hmm. it's such a diverse, such a heterogeneous mass of people that you can't fit them all into Mm -hmm. one specific group because there are just so many different people that make up this community. Yeah, that's what that's what the challenge is, right? Right. We don't we don't have the one our one thing. We don't have one singular focus. So we're trying to boil down like thousands of different interests into one or two sentences and it doesn't quite work. Yeah. So how does Brown fit slash contribute to the UVA community? 
So I think from a logistical perspective, why we exist, I've kind of touched on this a little bit. Again, like it's it's the experiment, it's the great experiment. Can UVA's ideal of student self-governance apply outside of the classroom or your traditional student experience and extend into the place that you live? And I think that's why we were established in the first place. But I think we've grown to adopt so many different social and academic resources that are really invaluable to the way that our residents experience UVA. And so I think what we've tried to do is engender academia and social interest into your experience outside of the classroom. And I don't want that to sound like, oh, Brown College sits around and studies all the time, like our idea of fun is calculus. But it does mean that we've brought in people who have worked on huge radio shows. We've had architects who focus on water access in arid areas. We've had poets and novelists all come in and talk to us in their free time about what their worldview is and what their experience has been like and try to introduce us to things that are really cool, but that you might not experience in the same depth in the classroom. Are there any misconceptions or stereotypes about Brown that you'd like to clear up? Yeah, I I think this one is another one that's a little bit difficult because I've lived in Brown for all four years. So it's really difficult for me to take a step back and like evaluate us from the outside. But I think I would say that people are less misinformed about Brown College and more that they're just not informed about Brown College. I think when you choose to live on grounds, even in an environment like Brown, there are sacrifices that you make that you wouldn't have had to make necessarily when you live off grounds in terms of like access to facilities or parking or like walking distance to restaurants in the corner, like not having to have a meal plan, all of these things, that once you make that decision that you're going to go live in an apartment, there are not a lot of people who will choose to come back on. And so I think in a lot of ways, people just don't really know what we are, what we do. Like I hear a lot of different things. I think a lot of times people will say, oh, you're the group that does hauntings on the hill every year. And well, that's not wrong. Like we do do that. That's a huge one of our activities. It's not who we are or what we do all the time. And I think that's probably what I would say about that. Do you want to talk a little bit about hauntings? Because it is such a big part. So hauntings, I know there are some alumni out there who are going to hate me for this. I am not great with dates. So I can't say the year that we started it. I know there are people who like have that date memorized religiously. I'm not great at it. But I know that we existed at least in the early 90s. Um, And the idea was to put on this massive haunted house for charity that was organized and constructed and staffed by Brown College residents. And the idea was to sell tickets to the general community, both UVA students, faculty, and just Charlottesville community members. And then as a community every year, we vote and all of those proceeds get donated to charity. So we've supported things like the Climate Collective. I think the ASPCA was my first year, but I could be mistaken. So really the idea is to take philanthropy, which is something that we care a lot about, and give it kind of a brown college spin, right? It's a little bit quirky. It's a little bit funny. It's a little bit scary. And it's just a good time all around. But I know it was really funny. I I spoke on a panel this summer at reunions. And I think it was, I can't remember exactly what years it was, but I spoke on this panel. And I hadn't mentioned hauntings and everybody kept asking questions. So what about hauntings? Do you still do that? Like, I remember that when I went in 1998 and we still held it in the basement where it was a huge fire hazard. Do you still do that? Is that a thing that still happens? People get excited about it. And I think I, I really enjoy that. It's it's something kind of remarkable and iconic to UVA. So each residential college has a different application, mm-hmm. but Brown's is pretty unique, I'd yeah. say. What can you say about the Brown application so, process? I think when I opened it for the first time, I had no clue what Brown College was. I was a little bit not taken aback, but wholly surprised, right? And I think for a lot of our first years, when you're coming into college, you've spent 
eight to 10 months filling out application after application that are asking about your extracurriculars and your GPA and what you do for volunteering and like defining moments about yourself and your life. You're writing these very professional, very intense applications and you open Brown College and the first question will be something like plagiarize. And that's all you have to go on. And that's fully intentional. Like having lived here and kind of having learned how the process works, I've really come to enjoy it. Our philosophy has always been that we want to take a really non-academic approach to the application process because we write the whole thing ourselves and we manage the whole process ourselves, including scoring and admissions decisions. And we've kind of come to realize that we don't care at all really about what your GPA is or like how well you're doing in school or what you're learning we really want to know who you are and what you'll bring to the community I, the I really liked it process. do you have a favorite I think my favorite was uh you have an FBI agent what do you do that makes him quit his job <laughs> yeah that one was good that one was really good I can't remember I've written a couple that have made it on there I know the one that I still think about sometimes was from my application I guess in the 2019 cycle and it was was Brown College is a part of the Illuminati. Tell us how you know that. And it was just so wild that mm -hmm. I was sitting there. Like I had spent months applying to these really rigorous universities and going through my entire life in really strenuous detail. And now here I was explaining that, oh, the kind of Greek revival architecture focuses on triangles or whatever, just pulling <laughs> whatever I could out onto this page. I, it was a good time. I enjoyed applying. Back to you as a person, what are your mm -hmm. goals after graduation? Yeah. Okay. So I know I mentioned earlier that I wanted to focus on computer science mm -hmm. and I kind of did spend a lot of time with that as my primary goal. I came into UVA with the expectation that I would finish my undergrad degree and then go either straight into industry or like start doing a master's or a PhD in computer science. And I'm actually in the middle of applying to law school right now and I've not sent out a single application to a big tech company. So that's where I'm at. That's interesting. Yeah. It's definitely a left turn. It, it really is. And I explain that to people sometimes and they're like, it makes sense for you as a person, but it doesn't make sense logistically. <laughs> like, right. Who does that? No, yeah, I can see it, but definitely yeah. it's, it's a little bit of a turn from computer science. Is there any yeah. particular reason? So this is something I'm actually writing about in my application. I, I have this rehearsed on my paper. But what I found is that when I was in these computer science classes, as much as I liked the rigor and the mind game that was like piecing together an algorithm or solving a problem that we had been assigned, the classes that I really engaged with and the questions that I really liked answering or thinking about were the ones that were talking about the theory of computer science and the role of these emerging technologies in our lives. So I think one of my most formative UVA memories was actually like not an argument I got in with a professor, but a discussion that we had about the idea of this technology where like imagine that everyone in America can go out and buy this little box and you can essentially store whatever data you want on it and it would just be publicly accessible to the world forever. And you get compensated for the cost of electricity and you get paid a stipend for making this data publicly available, right? It's no longer something that's just in your home or just on your computer. It's available for everyone and you can put whatever you want there. And the discussion that we were having was, well, if my Facebook profile is being hosted on one of these devices and then I die, what happens there? Like, can I tell you that I don't want to be on the internet? Like, what's the regulation here? What is my expectation of privacy in this digital age where people are being compensated for transparency of all information? And I think thinking about those more ethical questions and the fact that in a lot of instances, big tech in the United States right now is kind of skating through random case law. There's no real legislation that's kind of 
impacting the way that we use it as a society is really what fascinated me more than the ability to build a website or like develop enterprise software. You can definitely connect the two, apparently. All right. And so I asked this question to everybody that I interview. Okay. If you could say anything at all to the UVA community, what would it be? Anything at all? I think I'd say more than anything else, before you graduate, sit down and take the time to think about and appreciate the community that you've built, right? Whether you live in a residential college or your community is just the people in your class and the friends that you hang out with, really think about the value that they've provided to you and your experience. Because as much as we pitch university as an opportunity for learning, there's so much personal growth that happens outside of lecture. And a lot of that is contingent on the company you keep. So just think about the friends you've made and how they've made a difference in your life and thank them for it. Beautiful. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. No, of course. It was a great time. And that was Mason Marche from Brown College, the Brown College Grand Poobah. And just for all of you out there who are interested in Brown, anybody can apply at any year. You don't have to be a first year to apply. It's actually a really fun application. And as a Brown resident myself, I'm a little biased, but I absolutely love it there. It's definitely for everyone and you're sure to find your group somewhere in there. That's all for today's episode. Thank you for listening and join us next time. I'm Sophia Moore for WUVA and this is Podcast. Bye.